Hello, I'm Anna Bogutskaya. And I'm Clarice Lotkri. And this is the Next Supremes, an American Horror Story Rewatch podcast. In this episode, the young witches make contact with a dark spirit trapped in the academy. Today's episode, The Axeman Cometh, was written by Douglas Petrie, I love this shit, who was a writer and co-executive producer in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and nice. he co-wrote the 1996 Teen Girl Spy film Harriet the Spy with Michelle Trachtenberg, who played Dawn on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh my oh. god, I love that movie. <laughs> And was directed by frequent AHS Ryan Murphy collaborator Michael Upendahl. This is this is the most entertaining bit of me preparing the notes. Is looking up who did what. <laughs> like he, Ryan Murphy's just really pulling guys from anywhere. He has he has his little crew, and it's it's kind of fun to see because TV directors are not people who are as top of our minds as kind of film directors are very often but mm. it's really interesting to see who kind of is associated and has worked with what creators what showrunners what shows and what episodes they might have directed that kind of ingrain yourselves in our mind ingrain themselves in our minds in the same way as films do yeah and i like it's interesting that tv directors are often sort of in a position where they have to be far more stylistically flexible so you can mm. have somebody you know writing american horror story and harriet the spy <laughs> <laughs> in a way that i think a lot of film directors because they have to like establish their brand yeah. they they put themselves a little bit in an, in an artistic box mm. tv directors can just do anything yeah and like very often i mean this has been a trend since what the 90s and Twin Peaks a bigger name film director would set the visual tone for a series in the first couple of episodes and then the TV directors would have to essentially stylistically adapt to that yeah <laughs> that's like that's a fun challenge yeah I guess direct like David Lynch the man who who has no logic to him <laughs> <laughs> but we love him all the same that we do so let's get into the meat of the episode. So we start with a flashback, as per usual, this time to 1919. And we meet the serial killer by the name of the Axeman, who loves his jazz and hates everything else. And also loves axes. <laughs> <laughs> he loves axes and jazz. So what do you make of the Axeman, uh, who's played here by Danny Houston? <sighs> oh, no. I'm disgusted with myself, but hot oh my God. into it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been three minutes. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Look, I'm not often somebody who is like, you know, having weird, weird crushes. But mm -hmm. Axeman, yeah. <laughs> Is it the Axeman or is it Danny Houston? Yeah, it's Danny Houston. It's not okay. specifically the Axe part of it. <laughs> <laughs> but like his performance in this is very sexy. Like he has kind of like a 
I don't know, quite a breathy, like gentlemanly, <laughs> like hey, hey, darling, <laughs> let me pour you some whiskey. <laughs> like it's it's hot. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I know he's a murderer. It's not even that that bothers me, which is problematic in itself. I know. <laughs> It's not the axe bit or the murder bit. It's the pretentious jazz bit that I'm like, mm, no, mm, no, shut your fucking mouth. Get away from me. Put some Lizzo on. I do not. No. I don't mind a little pretentious jazz. <laughs> I would have dated that guy from La La Land. <laughs> oh, God, he sat at the table being like, you don't like jazz? Well, I dated that guy from La La Land. And let me tell you, they're no fun. Yeah, I'm not saying it's going to be fun, but I'm also not saying I wouldn't not do it. <laughs> did you um, did you enjoy his ultimatum to the city of New Orleans of, you will play jazz tonight, so I have some music to listen to in my commute back home, or I will murder everyone? Yeah, and then the... The 1919, like, witch coven mm-hmm. is like, fuck you, we're going to play classical music. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Which um, felt, like, very white to me. <laughs> These white ladies think they'd be really cool playing classical music. <laughs> yeah, so he gets killed by the witches in what is what was then and what is still now the Academy. Um, then we move swiftly into present day where Zoe, Queenie, and Nan are, I don't know what they're doing, fooling around, but basically they find a secret compartment and a Ouija board, which as every single horror movie has ever told us is always a great sign. And yes, you should totally play with a Ouija board in your witch house. Well, I think especially like if you go down to Toys R Us and you buy yourself a Ouija board and you bring it home, <laughs> that's maybe a different thing. But I think to find a Ouija board in your home, not knowing the provenance of it, <laughs> problematic. Yeah, and Queenie tries to warn them uh, with a, a great story. Uh, which put the fear of God in my heart as well. But they still play and, you know, they make contact with the Axeman. It's not great. Because then he gets mad and they promise him that they will release him? Well, Zoe, yeah, Zoe promises that she'll release him and then she doesn't, which sounds like a really bad idea. <laughs> yeah, Zoe. Why does she keep fucking up everything? Don't anger the, the very, very, very old ghost serial killer. <laughs> um, it is interesting, though, that the same sort of American Horror Story ghost rules apply here as they did in Murder House, because the Axeman is trapped in the house because he was killed in the premises. Yeah, that is interesting because I think it kind of goes against traditional ghost logic that often suggests that a ghost would return to the place that means the most to them Mm -hmm. um, or to a significant traumatic event in their life. Yeah. Um, But here it just seems, yeah, it's very space defined. Mm -hmm. Like you are stuck in the room that you died 
we move on to Misty Days, uh, Swamp Digs, and Kyle is recovering there. It's uncomfortable, and it's very sad, and he breaks her radio and her cassette tapes, and she gets mad, and they Zoe arrives in the nick of time and kind of takes them both to the academy. Zoe doesn't really go there because of the goodness of her heart. She needs Misty to revive the corpse of Madison, who they also found. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a fairly big plotline that I kind of skipped over. But yeah, they also well, found Madison's body. The Ouija board told them. <laughs> yeah. Attic. So what do you make of these um of these scenes at Misty's? Oh, I broke my heart when, when she when she said he broke Stevie. <laughs> like it's it's so interesting to see how she is this fountain of like everlasting empathy mm. until you break her Stevie Nicks records. <laughs> and then she's over it, get out, don't want anything to do with you anymore. Well it's her it's a line in the sand and I respect that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like Stevie Nicks until this point has basically been her only friend. Mm. So it's kind of like he killed her friend in a way. Yeah. It's also really, it's a really sad scene as well when she's washing Kyle because he's all mud dirty and whatnot. Because he hasn't really had that much to do since he was revived. Doesn't really speak much. He's not really capable of controlling his... His physical impulses or like communicate that well. It's a really sad scene when she's washing him and he gets these flashbacks of the abuse that he suffered from his mother. And that's why he goes haywire. And he has to like get literally chained to chained to a wall in the academy by Zoe so that he doesn't sort of go berserker again. Yeah, which seems like an especially cruel way to deal with it. Um, I think Zoe's quite... I don't know, she's becoming surprisingly calculating in this episode. Maybe cold? I wouldn't say calculating, because she keeps fucking up everything. True, maybe in her head she thinks it's a plan. (laughs) But yeah, this way that she goes you know, to Misty, who she knows is just so desperate for companionship and tries to get this thing out of her. And then, like, to treat Kyle that way. I mean, yes, you know, he is going through something and is kind of a physical threat to people, but I think there are kind of things to do to people than literally get out, like, Frankenstein, (laughs) like, iron-wrought chains um, to... You know, especially because the thing that Kyle's, he's having to deal with right now is the, the sense that he is a monster. Mm-hmm. And it's like kind of a pretty great way to underline that is getting out literal medieval chains. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's sort of. Yeah, it's kind of awful considering this is her fault <laughs> for bringing him back. And then for her to not have enough of compassion to see that he is a person trying to struggle with selfhood as opposed Mm -hmm. to, like, yeah, hot Frankenstein. So moving on to an actual monster. Uh, Let's talk about Frank. Oh, Hank, sorry. Let's talk about Hank. Hank, Frank, who cares? Uh, Just piece of shit by any name. 
See, that's why comparably the X-Men comes off quite well. <laughs> I mean, you know, both murderers. Both one murderers. of them quite hot. Polite about it. Yeah. Pretentious. <laughs> Very big, like, uh, soft boy energy is coming off the axe man, gotta say. <laughs> is he the new soft boy? He's the soft boy of season I think three. He is. Yeah, he is the soft boy. He's the new... <laughs> Tate <Houston>. Langton. <laughs> also ghost serial murderer. Also soft boy. But instead of Nirvana, he likes jazz. Yeah, you know what? I'm more into this than Tate Langdon. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be upfront about it. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I don't think I would I would pick the Axeman over Tate. Although, yeah, Tate is like an annoying teenager, basically. Yeah, no, yeah. let's go with the Axeman. Let's get some feedback from the audience. <laughs> if Axe you had to, Tate Langdon. <laughs> you're not allowed to date any other person on this earth. You can only have Tate Langdon or the Axeman. If you were to go on a date with one dead serial killer, which one would it be? Send us your thoughts. <laughs> So, talking about more trash men, Hank mm-hmm. Frank is revealed to be working with Mary Laveau and is actually a professional witch hunter. Yeah, and he sucks at it. <laughs> he sucks at everything. <laughs> I hate him so much. Because Marie Laveau is like, why? I hired you in secret and you've just turned up to my house yelling. <laughs> in the middle of the so day. Everyone in the street can see and hear. <laughs> and also, uh, I asked you to kill somebody in that coven and you did literally not that <laughs> at all. <laughs> you murdered somebody who was maybe adjacent to the coven, mm-hmm. had an interest in joining it. Uh, I always forget this, the redhead lady's character's name. Kaylee. Kaylee. So yeah, we see Kaylee briefly um, sort of turning up to the coven and, and expressing an interest, but oh, she's not so sure. Uh, and then I guess the suggestion is that she goes off and gets murdered <laughs> by this annoying man. So yeah, honestly. I mean, my do you think... It is on purpose that they fit in this, like, I found it really funny. This few lines about Hank using Cordelia's research to, like, find his witch victims. And Mary Laveau just goes, well, maybe I should pay her instead of you because she's doing the fucking work. And I'm just like, this is such a precious moment. I love it. But also, is this show smart enough to have actually planned it? Or is it just funny in spite of it? <laughs> I think it's... I actually think her whole speech in that scene is kind of like... I don't know. I liked it. It was well written and particularly well acted. Yeah. Just the kind of like, no more nonsense. I am over this. Like, mm-hmm. these women have literally been ruining my life for centuries <laughs> um and to really feel that and her channeling it all at this just useless like pawn in her yeah. life yeah i really i agree i love the i love angela bassett in this scene because of just the frustration and the patience but also the power that she exudes like just this i could do 
anything you do with very, very little effort, but I'm choosing to engage with you, little worm, because it's yeah. serving a bigger purpose. So like that containing and sticking to her plan it's just it's very glorious and then like that little i love particular i actually rewatched this scene this morning because of like that brief moment of feeling as well for bastien that she had you know when her whole like face contorts and she's just like with this centuries-long fury that has been brought up mm. because um the witches uh beheaded bastien it's like this constant like regret or anger about how her lover was treated by these witches is just sort of like the cherry on the cake as opposed to you know to kind of push her over the edge with this whole witches and and voodoo um feud that's been going on for years yeah and i guess the the bastion it brings it back to the idea it's they're witches, but they're also white women. So she's absorbing also the trauma of, mm-hmm. of um, well, what Delphine did to Bastien as well. Um, so it's sort of like all amalgamating that into, to one, into one person, I guess. Yes, absolutely. And back at the academy, there's only a few things that we need to talk about, and one of them is that Misty and Zoe revive Madison's corpse. Which is a fairly uh fairly graphic scene. Yeah. Cockroach. <laughs> <laughs> Comes curling out. I mean, like at this point Madison has been dead for at least a week, it seems. I mean time, what is it even anymore? Yeah, yeah, and and Missy at first is very much like, yeah, no, that person's fully dead. (laughs) (laughs) She smells weird, she's literally rotting, and her arm is over there. (laughs) (laughs) um, I'm gonna pass. just does everything yeah (laughs) the mud is like oh it's like have you ever used tiger bomb it's tiger bomb oh yeah no the mud is um flex tape (laughs) (laughs) yes just slap it on and it will fix anything need to reattach an arm to a body flex tape flex tape (laughs) good as new yeah that mud that mud could like put back together a severed boat and you could still write the boat in the New Orleans swamps. <laughs> yes. The flex tape video is one of my favorite things on the internet. I watch it a lot. Oh, I've never seen that. <gasps> I will send it to you. It is 10 minutes of pure what the fuck joy. They just tape a bunch of things together. It's something else. Okay. <laughs> I have no way of describing it. I just send it to people it's like this this will make you laugh and also make you discover like the solution to any problem emotional psychological physical anything that's broken you can fix it with flex tape i love it (laughs) (laughs) so that was a digression so (laughs) 
to finish off the episode, um, we see that the Axeman has been inadvertently released from being confined to the to the academy by Zoe again fucking up a lot in this episode and he goes in the prowl he well he just like goes to a bar well yeah but on the prowl sounds nicer <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm sorry I said, yeah I didn't <laughs> glamorize it enough so he like it's important because he takes corporeal form again so he's not like a ghost, although he is a ghost. Yeah, I was a bit confused whether he's a ghost or not a ghost. He's a ghost, but he he can physically leave the house, which is a big deal for a ghost, yeah. as we discussed before. But now he also like can be seen by other people. So like because he, the last shot of the um, of the episode is like him meeting Fiona in this bar, so and he's there. Like people can see him. He has a physical form. Yeah, and this is previous to Fiona, who is um, going through chemo hmm. treatment throughout this episode. Um, she she mentions that she wants to have, like, one great love affair. Yeah. Hey, hey, who shows up? Mm-hmm. Hot Jasmine. X-Man. Hot Jasmine. <laughs> <laughs> boop, 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 boop. <laughs> I have to say, though, that final scene when he tells her like hey pretty lady and she just looks at him and and smiles and is so like flattered to her soul that he sees her because it's obviously like her i mean i love jessica lang in general but in this in this storyline of kind of fiona losing her power and knowing feeling that she's losing her power and like people around her sort of starting to not see her yeah. It's such a beautiful moment where she's like, yes, this is this is who I am. Yeah, because that was such a part of her. Her power was kind of the seductress mm. in a sort of like, a very like vast meaning of that term. Yeah. Yeah, she was just completely magnetic. And so to feel that, just that slight return to the past with hot jazz, man. Hot jazz, man. <laughs> Hot Jasmine slash serial killer. Slash ghost. Yeah. Slash ghost. It's a multi-hyphenate. <laughs> He's an accomplished man. He's a Jasmine with a side hustle of murder. <laughs> or is Jazz the side hustle to the murder? Well, well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a murderer, part-time jazz enthusiast. <laughs> Shall we move on to our categories or is there anything that we haven't covered in today's episode? Uh, the only thing I just want to point out is Misty when she visits the house, the coven house, and they ask her to join the coven and she's like, no, there's bad vibes here. And then she takes four bagels and she puts them in her bag and she leaves. <laughs> I relate. <laughs> A queen. A queen. Queen of the swamps. Moving on to our categories, what was your favorite quote of the episode? My favorite quote is a misty one <laughs> where she says to Kyle, you look like you've been rode hard and put up wet, which I know is kind <laughs> of a phrase, but I don't understand what it means. <laughs> <laughs> 
Riding what hard? What is the thing meant to be? That you would ride hard and it would get wet during the... How would you put up the thing wet as well? Well, because presumably you didn't dry it after use, but I don't know what that is. What what would you... How could you dry the thing? Uh, Okay. An alligator? (laughs) I don't know. But I like it. It's a great turn of phrase. I would like to use it more. I I have many quotes from this episode. It was a good episode for quotes. I would literally like name check all of Mary Laveau's monologue. Yes. Um, I'm gonna pick a quote that I hated. <laughs> you know, okay. one of these ones where I was like, oh, "Fuck off!" And it's the Axe Man when he <laughs> when in the introduction he is writing his letter to the city of new orleans he says those persons who do not jazz who do not jazz it tonight will get the axe <laughs> and i hate it with every fiber of my being <laughs> that's it i just i really fucking hate it and i hate that it kind of rhymes but in a bad way and, you know, kudos to Danny Houston for delivering such a bullshit line. I love it. I loved his little murder. Murder monologue? His little, well, I mean, this is intruding into another category. Ooh. Yeah, the thing you just said is what the actual Axeman wrote. Oh, I know. Because, <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, the monologue at the beginning is actually just a direct quote of the letter that he wrote and I kind of love it it's such a dumb letter I'm into I it no me too I can't wait for you to talk about it um what about the best song of the episode uh I only really heard one but it was Leather and Lace by Stevie Nicks oh yeah um there was a Duke Ellington song um that was playing at some point in the jazzy montage I'm not very good oh. with music or with jazz in particular and probably worst of all the jazz but i know there was a duke ellington song i mean i think we've made clear so far that neither of us are music experts but we're doing our best yeah (laughs) no (laughs) i need (laughs) lyrics to remember a song that's what i need yeah and even then for me mm. (laughs) (laughs) so what about the best fit of the episode for you I, I mean, this is really a messy episode for me. I liked the red dress that she had with the brown, wide-brimmed hat. Oh all the tassels, red tassels. Very cute. Yeah. Looked a little, I don't know, looked runway ready. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite outfit as well. Especially because she also has like the black feather in her hair. Yeah. It was kind of like a Gucci, like autumn, winter sort of like... It was very cottage, it was very cottage party. It was great. I was like, mm, yeah, so you're mm. gardening, reviving people in your swamp garden. It looks beautiful. Very into it. <laughs> and what about a witch pun? Witch up. <laughs> I don't even know what that's a pun of. Witch up. I know. I like this was actually this is when all the witch puns start getting like back into the script <laughs> i love it when zoe just goes like witch up i was like what it's wake not... up bitch bitch up like bitch what are you saying bitch up <laughs> no hey, one is better, saying that you better bitch up <laughs> like maybe the prodigy had it as a lyric or something i don't know it's no no 
doesn't really work, but it made me kind of like pause and and try to think about it. It's like, oh no, 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 that just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, same here. I stopped trying to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> and what about the MVP of the episode? Uh, Bagel Queen, Misty <laughs> <this> Day. <laughs> She brought somebody back from the dead. Then she took her payment, which was four bagels, and she left. <laughs> Adios. <laughs> we love her. How about you? I mean, it's got to be Mary Laveau, doesn't it? I've never yes. seen a woman tear a new asshole to a man with such little effort and almost boredom. I guess I will say the only reason I didn't pick her is I feel like anybody could tear that specific man a new asshole. Yeah, that is true. That is true. <laughs> He's basically a walking collection of assholes, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just love her. And also just her very deliberate, almost managerial way of putting him down. Oh. <laughs> I just want her to manage like Dunder Mifflin. Know what I mean? Office crossover. <laughs> I want her to be the new <laughs> Scranton branch manager. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've been binging the office for like four days. <laughs> John Krasinski found dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's, he seems like a really nice guy. He's married to Emily Blunt. I don't want to ruin that. Oh no! I meant his character on the show. I can. Oh, Jim. Jim. <laughs> Jim. Jim Van Dead. <laughs> He's not gonna last under Marie Laveau. Listen, if you put Dwight Schrute in a battle, of, in a power battle with Marie Laveau in Scranton, I would like to see that. I'm just saying, Christmas special. We need yeah. it. Yeah, like I know Marie Laveau would win, but I feel like the the fight would last some time. <laughs> <laughs> well that was an unexpected segue <laughs> a beautiful one <laughs> and you hinted at it before but what is the insensitive historical reference of the week what is the axe man mm. active between the years 1918 and 1919 maybe as early as 1911 though it's disputed uh, thing that they didn't put in this show targeted Italians and Italian Americans for no, for some unspecified reason, um, and he would always use an axe from their own home. Didn't even and bring they, his own tools. Well, I think he well, he brought a chisel. He would bring a chisel to get into the house, and then leave the chisel, and then use the person's axe. Oh. Yeah, he's very like weird pattern murderer. <laughs> um, and it, it, they do think he was mainly targeting women, and they mentioned this in the episode, mm. and it was only the men that were in the way that would get killed. Mm -hmm. um, and then the bit about him sparing the lives of those who play jazz is actually true, as well as, as I think the entire monologue that Danny Houston uh, delivers is quote for quote the letter that he sent. Mm -hmm. And also, it is true that he said he was going to kill that night, and he did not kill that night. But not because he was killed by witches. <laughs> he just disappeared without a trace. I mean, do we, do we know if he was killed by witches or not? 
Just saying. Well, not for sure. I think they think he might have been, if it's the person they're thinking it is, mm. shot by the widow of one of his victims. But that's less exciting than killed by witches. <laughs> yeah, and um, the full Axeman letter is actually on Wikipedia. And I really, it's like, it reads like, a vintage edition of <laughs> Beam Me Up Soft Boy, the kind of the meme Instagram page. I love it. <laughs> I love it so much because it's that very pompous vibe about jazz that some dude would get about, I don't know, Radiohead. You know what I yeah. mean? Where someone would be like, if there was a millennial version of the Axeman of New Orleans right now, it would be like, everybody in Hackney needs to play Radiohead, <laughs> B-Sides, or you die. Oh my god. <laughs> yes, but also I feel like he's he's kind of a good writer. Am I allowed to say that about a historical serial killer? You're, you're the writer here, Clarice. You be the judge of it. <laughs> They've... They've never seen me, for I am invisible, even as the ether that surrounds your earth. Oh my I like God. that sentence. I think I wrote that in my life journal when I was like 14. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you know, very emo. Yeah. We do like an emo serial killer. Yeah, look, if you're going to write a creepy letter to the police, just make it sound good. <laughs> <laughs> It is um it is a fun letter though. Is that your favorite yeah. bit of it? Yeah, I like the bit where he's like, I'm not a person, I'm a demon. <laughs> <laughs> What's that bit? I'm trying to scroll through. Oh yeah. At will at will I could slay thousands of your best citizens and the worst. Like you put a little joke in. <laughs> so I am in close relationship with the angel of death. I don't know. This is more interesting than like the Zodiac letter. I'm just going to say that. Better writing. <laughs> just hard to say, I'm not defending this, but this real no. life person was a terrible, terrible human being. But like <laughs> separated from that, like I find this letter really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like just, I don't know, very imaginatively written, which um, I guess you would not expect from a murderer because... Those people are usually quite focused on murdering. Yeah. And are not quite, you know, have the wherewithal to write nicely worded letters. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, not nicely worded, like interestingly worded letters. We appreciate the effort. Yeah, we well, don't appreciate the effort because you should have just like, like, even references Tartarus. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I'm not standing the X-Men. I don't stand him <laughs> at I all. Don't know. I'm, not, I'm not one of those weird people who's into serial killers. I think he was an awful, terrible human being. Does have a nice turn of phrase, though. Yeah, this is just <laughs> this is just a well-written letter. I don't know what to say. Because <laughs> so it's like super gothic. I think that's why I like it. It's like a really intensely gothic, like, and the fact that this is a real letter that somebody wrote as opposed to like, I don't know, something from. A gothic novel is mm. interesting to me. It's yeah. like, oh. Like, I, yeah. it would not be out of turn. And I actually, I would be, I'm going to research and see if there's been any novels or anything written about the axe. There is. Is there? I saw it in <gasps> Waterstones. Oh my God, what's it called? 
the X-Men of New Orleans. Oh, well, that's original. <laughs> I think it's that. It might be nonfiction, but every time I go into Waterstones, I see it. They're really trying to push this book on me, but I haven't bought it yet. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm going to look it up. I would like to see a whole movie about an emo X-Man. Yeah. It gets transported into 2020, maybe 2019, before this whole shitstorm happened, into 2019 East London, and he falls in love with Radiohead. Okay, what about you remake La La Land, but the Ryan Gosling character is actually the X-Man of New Orleans? Yes. Oh, he would be a great X-Man. I mean, really, there's not that much separating the two. No, really not. Just a little bit of murder, really. And an axe. <laughs> if you took an axe and you put it in Seb's hands from La La Land. Mm-hmm. Pretty much that. You know Finn Whitrock's character's dead by the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. <laughs> anyway, is there anything that we haven't covered in the episode? No, I think I'm sorry you talked so much about the axe. <laughs> I love it. I just want to clarify the last time I do not stand the X-Man. <laughs> just like the way the letter is written. But it do, do not condone his actions or find him interesting because of his murdering. Just like gothic literature. I realise also that this episode is going to air a few days before Christmas. Which is going to be a tough one this year. So Merry Christmas everyone who's listening. And I hope you take care of yourselves in arguably the shittest situation that we've been in, in this whole goddamn yeah. year. Yeah, I hope that everyone is still able to have some sort of nice Christmas or just a nice day in some kind of form. I hope the Axeman brings you what you wanted you asked for. <laughs> Don't play with Ouija boards on Christmas Day. Not an axe to the face. <laughs> yeah, don't summon demons or ghosts or um, serial killers. Well, um, unless you, you really want someone to hang out with. To be fair, yeah, I'm like one more lockdown away from that. This is the thing. If you're alone for Christmas, remember you're not really alone because the, the phantoms of dead people are around you at all times watching. Was that reassuring? <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> You're always being watched by a ghost, so really you're never alone. Yeah, that's not creepy at all. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to give a Christmas wi- like a Christmas message that is on brand. I mean, it's <laughs> extremely on brand. But I gotta say, as soon as you said that, I looked over to Vlad just to check that he's not like staring intensely at a corner of a room or something. Because that's how I know that there are ghosts around, is yes. when he just stares at something. Yeah, go hug your go hug your pet on Christmas, and if you don't have a pet, find like a I don't know a pillow or a. a I have a giant pog, and that's my pet, <laughs> <laughs> and that's who I've been hugging, in times of uh, of long isolation. <laughs> Maybe I should get you like a stuffed axe man. Stuffed axe man. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, like Just one of relax. those boyfriend pillows, but it's Daddy Houston's the axe man with an axe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Daddy Houston can never find out about this. No, God, no. Oh, or may- maybe. Or maybe he'd love it. Maybe he'd love it. It's appreciation for his craft and character building. 
He's just very charismatic and he likes jazz. Yeah, still not. <laughs> uh, how do we get back to this? No, I'm sorry. Happy holidays, everyone. It's not about the Axeman. It's not about the murders. Merry Christmas. <laughs> what can we expect from the next episode? In the next episode, Queenie is lured away from the coven. Not by the Axeman, man. <laughs> we'll be back next wednesday with a recap of american horror story coven in the meantime send us your thoughts on twitter follow us on twitter at next supremes pod also you can find me at clarice lou and i am at anna be demented